The Art of Hiding by J. M. Rupert. security measures. The gale had blown itself out with exhaustion when Nan awoke the following morning. All that remained was a mild panting breeze, swelling and fading, swelling and fading, like the wheezing of the waves on the shore. The night had been a disruptive one for Nan, full of images of blending faces, distorted bodies and an overwhelming sense of being smothered. More than once she had been awoken by what she thought was a close summoning call. On the last time this had happened, Nan woke to discover she had been sleepwalking again. She found herself beside the eye window, which had been thrown wide open, the sea spray stinging her eyes. Nan sensed she had been searching or beckoning to something or someone in the darkness, yet whomever or whatever it was could not be reached. She laid the blame of the strange dreams in the sleepwalking on not having Tristan beside her, who had always slept in the same room as his sister for every night of their lives. Nan was now looking out of the window again, but it was on a quiet, placid bay. The tide had gone out, exposing the rocky shore beneath the painted pilchard inn, where a couple of seagulls fought over some find in a rock pool, and the mild stench of seaweed wafted in through the window. An early morning mist softened the edges of everything, so that the island appeared like a towering fortress hovering above a steel sea, where lines of grey gently hushed each other as they glided onto the beach and sighed to a stop. Further down the shore, towards the town square, the cobbled causeway ran out from Ronish Limpley into a gently curving arc until it reached the island, where it was lost in the blur of mist. It almost looked as if the causeway tethered the island to the mainland. Tristan barged into Nan's room with a plate of buttered toast and thrust at his sister. Want some? Nan took a couple of slices and munched on them reflectively. Tristan opened the other side of the lattice eye window and smacked his lips in a way he knew always irritated his sister. But Nan's mind was on other things. Trist, Nan said, did you hear anything last night? Nope, slept like a baby. Why? Nothing. Bad dreams. Nan took another slice of toast but barely touched it before her brother spoke. Do you notice how there aren't any cars in this town? Listen. They listened, but Tristan was right. There was not a sound of a single engine, not even Myriad pumping out water from its bilges. Can't see any buses or trains either, let alone a plane. No one but us seems to arrive or leave this town. Weird place, isn't it? It's like the town isn't making an effort, like it doesn't care what you think of it. I kind of like it for that. Trist, said Nan, you know that boy we met last night? Toby Croucher? Well, it's going to sound so stupid, she continued, but I think his pet bird, Geoffrey, is a dodo. Tristan stopped mid-munch. But dodo, he said, spitting out crumbs of toast, as in dead as. I thought that was the point. They're not round anymore. They're all dead. Tragic, but what can you do? Exactly, answered Nan. They've been extinct for years, centuries, but I'm positive it's a dodo. 
If you say so, replied Tristan. Mind you, I haven't seen anything like that tree out the back either. It's savage. Can't wait to try and climb that beauty. What tree? Tristan shoved the last two slices of toast into his mouth at once before getting up and opening Nan's door. He gestured to his sister to follow him out into the archway corridor. He mumbled, spraying bits of buttered toast over the window pane. He swallowed. It's the one just behind the houses there. See it? The one that's a couple of hundred feet tall? Tristan was not exaggerating. The tree was immense, rising high above Wanish Limpley and even the cliffs behind it. The town looked like a model set a child might play with clustered around the foot of the largest Christmas tree in the world. The lower branches hugged to the trunk and looked to be a clear 20 feet above the highest building. The top of the tree was lost in the midst, high above Wanish. Must be hundreds of years old, continued Tristan. As I said, never seen another like it. Trist, I'm sure there aren't any trees like this in Great Britain, Nan uttered in wonderment. Oh, Nanny, replied Tristan. I'm sure that dodos aren't around now either, but there's the tree and there's the bird. Tristan pointed to the street below, where Toby was heading down towards the town square at the foot of the tree, with Geoffrey waddling along beside him. The fat bird occasionally had to break into little flurries of speed just to keep up with the boy. Toby had dressed up in some smart black clothes for the funeral, and even Geoffrey had a black sash tied around his neck. Nan, Tristan, everything's sound for you, Toby called up as he spotted them. I've got to help with the funeral, though I hate all this gear, he moaned as he showed them his jacket. Still, Mr Likely was all right, least I can do, I suppose. We'll do the tour tomorrow after school if you want. Not a whole hell of a lot I can show you now, to be honest, but I'll be able to let you in on a sight or two soon. We'll have a laugh then, but Mum told me I'm to look glum today. Toby shrugged and then passed a hand in front of his features, which appeared to wipe all the joy from his face and replace it with a sombre expression. He nodded his head at them and disappeared down the narrow street. Fifteen minutes later, after a brief hello to Hartley and their father, the twins were dressed and also heading out of the painted pilchard inn towards the town square. Everyone they passed was dressed in black and had expressions suggesting their thoughts were far away, but they all nodded kindly to the twins. Even though they were new to Wanna Shimply, Nan and Tristan guessed the town had a subdued atmosphere that day. All the buildings looked somehow more solid and more appealing than they had in the storm of the previous night, although the distant houses might have been made from the mist enveloping them. Wherever a person went in the town, the tree dominated the skyline and offered a guide to anyone lost in the winding alleyways and sloping streets of Wanish. When the Elliot twins entered the town square, Nan realised that what she'd mistaken from an uneven tower the previous night was, of course, the vast tree's trunk, which must have been a good 40 feet around at its base. More citizens of Wanish were milling about here, talking in undertones, nodding solemnly and smiling in a friendly fashion at Nan and Tristan. Many of the old folk of the town sat on the stone flood barriers in front of each shop. Well, this tree's a bona fide challenge, Nanny, confided Tristan. It's at least 60 or 70 feet to the first branches. Trunk's too straight and wide to be useful. The bark doesn't offer much for grip, but it's just asking to be climbed. I think they have trees like this in America, said Nan. We could go and look in that library, see if anyone's written any tips on climbing these things. Don't want tips nor help. When the time comes, it's just going to be me against tree. But I do want to check out whether you're right or not about our boy Tobe's bird. If dodos are in any of the five books that library has... Nan had noticed it the previous night and agreed with Tristan that Miss Mutchley's library and art supplies did look disappointingly small. 
It had three storeys, but looked a tired, shabby little shop, in danger of collapsing with exhaustion into the tiny alleyway set between it and some quaint little building. Only its neighbour, the impressive Havoc Brothers, appeared to be keeping up with Miss Mutchie's library and art supplies. Nan did not know if the library was open to anyone, but hoped Miss Mutchie would not mind if they checked for information among the books on her shelves. No one came to greet the twins as they closed the door behind them. It may have been cramped and narrow, but the shop was deep, protruding far further back behind the counter than they'd realised, with the rear of the shop overhanging the sea. The ground floor was given over to art supplies, easels, paints, paint boxes, different grades and shades of pencils and brushes, frames, pads, stretched canvases, and everything any artist could possibly want surrounded them. A sign hanging from the ceiling, painted with beautiful florid lettering, read, Ground floor, arts, colour charts, brushes, pencils, paints, pads, canvases, etc. First floor, fiction, history and entertainment. Second floor, geography, nature and science. Top floor, nostalgia, hopeless hobbies and pointless pursuits. Not far into the shop, a wrought iron spiral staircase led upwards, and as no one came to offer them help, Nan and Tristan walked down the narrow aisle, climbed the stairs and headed up into the second floor. The staircase came up through a circular hole in the wooden floorboards where it promptly ended. Nan wondered how anyone reached the nostalgia, hopeless hobbies and pointless pursuits section of the shop on the third floor. Now she came to think about it, she thought the building only had three storeys, not four. Nan did not wonder about this for long, however, because the twins were amazed to see rows and rows of open bookcases crammed full with books leading off from a central musty passageway which ran the length of the room. The library clearly extended far into the building beside it. Silence pervaded the room like a presence peeved at the creaking of the bare wooden floorboards beneath the twins' feet, but the place had as pleasant a feel to it as Uncle Norbert's rooms. On the end of each of the long bookcases was a picture depicting the category of books represented within that section. The first painting on their right was of a night sky bleeding into daylight with the words stars and skies at the bottom of the picture. Next was a picture of rays of sunlight reaching down into deep water where a shoal of glinting fish stood out from the gloom. It read seas and oceans. Nan and Tristan headed down the passageway passing animals on their left until they recognised a picture of the tree in the town centre and came to the plants shelves at last. Wandering down the aisle of plants, Nan noticed that all the books were kept in an immaculate condition, were completely free of traces of dust. The shop had a large section on plants, so it took her some time before she found North American trees and learned the name of the one in Wanish's town centre. It's a species of the tallest tree in the world, Trist, Nan exclaimed. It's called a sequoia or coastal redwood, and they're usually found in California. So what's a sequoia doing over here? Oh, triumphant! Tristan shouted distantly from the opposite animal section of the bookshop. I've got even weirder news. You're right. Jeff most definitely is a dodo. Tristan held up a book with a pencil drawing of a bird and walked towards Nan to allow her to get a closer look at it. But the next moment... It seemed as if he had run into an invisible wall as the book slammed back into his face. Tristan held out his free hand in an attempt to find the unseen barrier at the end of the bookcase. There was definitely a strong resistance around his fingers and if he had to describe it, he would have said that the air itself seemed to bend and stretch around his hand, but it would not give way. 
He took a few steps back, tucked the book under his arm and took a running leap towards plants. But the space at the end of animals caught him, appeared to stretch in midair, and then catapulted Tristan all the way back to ferrets and fireflies. I'm trapped, Nan, he said in calm astonishment. Can't get out of this library. Don't give me that, Trist, Nan responded as she moved easily out of plants. It's a good trick, but I'm not falling for it. No, I swear, I can't get out. Nan had to admit that Tristan looked serious. Well, what have you done differently to me, said Nan, not daring to step into the animal section of the bookcase in case it trapped her too. Nothing, replied Tristan. I would place that book back on the shelf, advised an aristocratic-looking lady emerging from the staircase up through the hole in the floor. She had a stern, bespectacled face and possessed long, mousy-coloured hair, the weight of which appeared to keep her head permanently thrown back, so she had to look down her nose, even at people who were taller than her. I wasn't trying to steal the book, lady. I just wanted to show my sister a picture. Do you know how to get out of animals? I believe I just told you how. Place the book back in its proper position on the shelf and then simply walk out, the lady instructed coolly. Tristan gave Nan a dubious glance before doing exactly what the lady had told him and finding he could now stride out of the book section unhindered. Was that some kind of magic? asked Nan. Magic? The aristocratic lady seemed confused. Enchantment then, Nan prompted her. Enchantment! The lady threw her head back even further, so she faced the ceiling and emitted a shrill laugh. <laughs> then you must be the niece and nephew of Adrian Elliot, she said. The expression of amusement lingered on her face for only a moment or two longer, then returned to cold sternness as if the laughter had never happened. I'm Miss Alison Mutchley, the owner of this establishment, pleased to make your acquaintance. I suppose some might think that it's a kind of magic but there is a far simpler explanation. Or is it a far more complex explanation? If it is magic, it's not mine to wield. Let us call it a security measure for the moment. Have you finished with my books now? Yes, thank you, replied Nan. They were very useful. I would prefer informative or instructional rather than useful, corrected Miss Mutchley, but I'm pleased you found them so. The librarian peered down her glasses at the twins, leaving them with the sensation that they were in the presence of a head teacher who possessed an ability to unnerve them. Miss Mutchley, Nan finally spoke up. How do you reach the nostalgia, hopeless hobbies and pointless pursuits section of the library? <laughs> what do you wish to know? The aristocratic Miss Mutchley replied. How to make model ships that really sink? Or who has the largest collection of gramophones in the world? Perhaps you want to learn how to tag tigers without them noticing. Or maybe it's how to track crusading knights without being killed. It is likely that I can help you with any or all of these topics. The twins did not know what to say for a few moments. Well, nothing like that, said Nan. I just wanted to know where the top floor is. It's at the top, Miss Mutchley answered. Thanks, Nan uttered through a smile of gritted teeth. She guessed that they were going to get nowhere with this haughty librarian. Bye for now. Yeah, bye. And, uh, cheers for getting me out of animals, thanked Tristan. Cheers, said Miss Mutchley. Oh, <laughs> cheers. You're most welcome. Cheers yourself. Bye then, 
called out the twins as they climbed down the spiral staircase and dashed out of the shop. Security measures? Tristan asked as they strode out into the square. Curiouser and curiouser, declared Nan. This place, I tell you, said Tristan, shaking his head, it's enough to drive you to think. Thank you.